Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. Um, still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey folks, it's that time of year to be shooting your bow in preparation for the fast approaching opening day of archery season here in Pennsylvania. If you haven't been down to Williams Archery Pro Shop and Indoor Range yet, get off the couch and head down to Edinburgh, PA. They've been in business for 29 years and they specialize in bow tuning and hands-on shooting lessons. It's a family-owned bow dealership who offers Hoyt, PSE, Bear, Parker, and more. Don't forget your archery accessories and arrows when you stop in to see Ron and Linda Williams. Give the shop a call at 724-667-9660. And make sure you tell them you heard about Williams Archery on the Whitetail Distraction Podcast, and they will get you set up. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and join me today in the studio, my buddy, Charles Headland. How you doing today, bud? I'm doing great. What's going on, man? Oh, not too bad, man. Just hanging out. Yeah? Loving we're, life. We're here in the Rack Shack. It's another great evening. It's almost bow season. Oh, yeah. A little warm in here tonight, though. Yeah, a little bit. It's not too bad. I mean, we're gonna get we're gonna get better in here. Things are gonna turn around. We're gonna kind of give the rack shack here a little makeover. We got all the racks up finally. We got the American flag hanging. We got the ghillie hanging. Your uh, gun and run set. I like it. Run and gun. I was trying to be different. That's you know? right. Everyone says run and gun. I really like hang and bang. The working boys class over. Stole it. Yeah, working class. I was just trying to be a little different, but it looks good in here, man. Yeah, I'm liking. It's starting to come together. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get a new table in here, though, but it'll be good. It'll be good. We're, we're going to do some things here. We're going to make things a little bit more permanent. Well, like I said, we, we kind of rushed into this, got the bare minimum what we needed to kind of get these episodes out because yep. we were just so dang excited. Yep. And I, and distracted, of course. Yep. Always distracted. Yeah. That distraction's real. <laughs> but we have a good we have a good guest on for you guys tonight. He, uh, he talks about some good topics. 
Yeah, we're bringing on a buddy, a long, long, long time buddy of mine from high school. We go way back and not only hunting, but just personal through sports and stuff growing up. So family friend and a great hunter. Yep. Hope you enjoy, guys. All right. So we're here today in the Rack Shack with Tommy Mills. Tommy is a good friend of the family. He grew up with my older brother, John. Uh, but weirdly enough, we haven't spent a lot of times in the woods together except for the occasional small game hunting and some rifle hunting. But, Tom, you're here with the Rack Shack with us tonight. Uh, what's going on, man? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Really uh, happy to be here. Glad to share a little bit of uh, stories that I have and uh, eager to this opportunity to fill people in with some information. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, man. We're just going to get into it. We're going to talk some hunting stories we're gonna bs like we're around a campfire you know so like i said you've uh we've known each other pretty much all of our lives uh, our families kind of grew up together and uh, why don't you go ahead and get into maybe a little bit background of yourself or anyone out there that doesn't know about you maybe what you do for a living and uh what's going on in your life right now well what i do right now i just started a job i am a lithographer and for what most people don't know what that is. Yeah, what the hell is a lithographer? <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> well, what I do is I uh, I work for a company that makes aluminum cans, and I operate the lithography machine, which puts all of the colors and decals and words, anything that isn't aluminum color, okay. I put that on the can. Okay. And we make a lot of cans. Like our goal is a million a day. So, wow. yeah, we do all kinds of different, uh, you know, dry shampoos and sunscreens and some drink uh, companies and things like that. Big name companies, too, not just something you never heard of. These, these are things like, uh, you know, Banana Boat, for example, or hmm. Pantene for, you know, shampoo. Like, those are the big names that we get. So, we're not just a little company. We, we, we're big time. Yeah, we're yeah. the big boys, you know. That's pretty oh. different. I don't think I've ever known anybody who's done anything like that before. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, I've only been at it for, you know, just uh, over half a year. And most of the operators there that I work with, I ask them, you know, because there's a lot of information to take in. And I ask them, you know, how long did it take you to go ahead and uh, get comfortable with this job? And every one of them said at least a year and a half. So yeah. I have a long way to go. Um, as long as I'm going in the right direction every day, I'm happy, and it seems like uh, seems like I am. I have a lot of good feedback. So yeah, uh, Austin mentioned he doesn't know anybody that does that job, but he lied to you because we had Mike McCoy on, and Mike <laughs> McCoy is one of your production managers. Yeah, but Mike, Mike's the manager; he doesn't do it. All right, you're right. So Mike doesn't actually do lithography or whatever the hell you said you it was said called. It correct. Nice, lithography. nice. I'm, I'm money. That I'm a lithograph press operator. I said lof. Okay. Well, either way. So, what about what about your personal life, man? You got some kids. What what's going on at the home front? I have three daughters. <laughs> oh, God bless you. Good for <laughs> you, man. <laughs> They're not teenagers yet, but I, from what I hear, that's going to be trouble then. They're already trouble now, so I can just imagine what then's going to be like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They are ten, six, and two years old. And, uh, yeah. It's got to keep you busy. I, I live in a very rural rural area out in uh, the country, which definitely benefits me and the things that I like to do. Yeah. 
so uh it's very quiet out that way so how do you find time to hunt um this is the first year that i am going through a hunting season with this schedule which isn't very good especially for people like me that like to do my outdoorsy things so uh i'm definitely not going to have as much hunting time as i did in the past which in the past i had quite a bit i i hunted i was more than just a weekend warrior so to speak yeah uh this year i went ahead and did a uh a grown adult move i had to go ahead and take my vacation for the rut so uh yeah i got the fourth to the 11th off so if i don't get the job done by then i should get it done in that week so i um i saved a few days off that i have acquired for archery season in specific because that's that's what i like to do more than any other deer hunting so i like to put all my time and effort and days off that i may or may not have right into. yeah man well let's go back let's go back because i, I want to retouch on that but let's go back to what got you into hunting originally how did you start to become a hunter uh, why don't you go ahead and touch base on that my whole life since i was three years old you can find pictures of me with my father's deer taking pictures uh, help helping them dress a deer. I, I I've known how to dress a deer since I was probably ten years old. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty impressive to be honest. You won't usually see stuff like that. These no, days. especially nowadays, man. The kids need to get into it, but that's another topic we'll touch on later. Yeah, we'll touch on that. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I, I was very fortunate to live the lifestyle that I did as far as uh, you know having a mentor well two mentors in my life as far as hunting and fishing goes my father and my grandfather are very much responsible for almost all the knowledge i have today and the reason that i hunt as avidly as i do and fish today just kind of bringing you into the outdoors in general oh yeah yeah, yeah. definitely uh we had a pretty good little system back when i was when i was younger and you had to sit with an adult mm -hmm. um until you're 16 and uh like i said i was in the woods way before i was able to hunt i would go rabbit hunting was we had beagles when i was growing up and i'd just go rabbit hunting without a gun just to be there i would go out there and uh see how it's done you know what i mean i, I would get into it and see how a beagle works and uh i learned a lot of gun safety through mm -hmm. doing it like that seeing what i had to do before i actually did it and um I had a little bit of a similar situation going out rabbit hunting and stuff when I was younger, but the difference between me and you is we didn't have a beagle, so I was the beagle. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me nowadays. When I was young, it can actually be the beagle. Nope. Now, I'm the beagle, so I, I, uh, I understand where you're coming from, definitely. Yeah, trust me. We still have two beagles, and I still find myself being the beagle. <laughs> and we have a great beagle, you and I'm still beagles, kicking piles, man. man. Austin, go kick that pile. You got the chaps on. Oh, come you got on, a bark. Guys. You got a bark. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting, though. I mean, it's nice to have the heritage. I mean, Pennsylvania is usually a place where hunting heritage just comes so naturally to us that we... You know, we talk about it, and we just don't think anything of it. But someone else listening might think, "Wow, that's really cool." You know, you got something from your dad and your grandfather, and it's you know generations you're going to pass down. Hopefully, one of your daughters will hunt. You know, and you'll continue oh, the generation. I'm trying to instill that in them already. And uh, 
They, they get real excited when I come home with a kill. They'll be right out there with me while I'm skinning it and yeah. quartering it up. They're right there. I mean, they're little girls, and they I've never seen little girls get so excited about a bloody leg. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's an awesome feeling for me because I know I'm going to have somebody to hunt with. Yeah. And I know that I have a lot of knowledge, and I, I want to share that knowledge with somebody, you know, and right. who better do that with than your kids. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you so, want to share kind of the same experiences you shared with your dad. Absolutely, absolutely. I would love to reenact those, the, those times because those are some of the best times of my life that, you know, you never forget. As I was saying, um, you know, we had a little system back when I was younger, when I was 12 years old. My, my dad was... Uh, the pusher, so to speak. This is deer hunting I'm talking about. And uh, we had these deer up the mountains pretty patterned pretty well. We knew where they bed, and we knew where they ran whenever you picked them up. Right. So we, me and my grandfather would get where we thought they were going to go. They followed this one ridge line in particular. But anyways, um, my dad would go push these deer, and me and my grandfather doubled up probably four or five times just from doing that i mean those are some of the moments you just never forget when you both roll it you know oh yeah and you get to share that moment right after you shot them your fist pumping and yeah high five you know you just yeah. adrenaline's running through and it was just really great to spend those moments with my grandfather single man push can be kind of tough too it can be i mean i know we have we have quite a few pushes that you can do with one guy but it's preferable for two and then we got some that man you better have five or six guys pushing because they're just going to circle around you and you're not ever going to have anything come through yeah so that's rifle hunting right oh yeah 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 that was rifle hunting and uh when'd you get into bow hunting oh bow hunting well when'd you get into bow hunting uh well i shot competition at your sponsor's place at ronna williams williams archery shout out to williams absolutely great people down there I, uh, I've known them for a good portion of my life, and they have always went above and beyond what they had to do to hook me up and make sure that my bow was shooting on point. Yeah. I used to shoot competitions down there all winter long, and that, I believe I was 13, I was 14, one or the other, when I started, and that's when I started archery hunting as well. Okay. Yes, um, and uh, my, my dad, he always archery hunted with a recurve, like... Uh, ground hunter you know didn't really know the whole deal with archery at that time you know it took many years but i feel like i was there for a lot of them to help grow right and into being an archery hunter that we both are today you know um it's not go sit on your bucket and wait for a deer to come by yeah. when you're archery hunting as yeah. i think i heard in a uh episode before this <laughs> but i thought that was a really good point it's not there's a lot more that goes into it a lot more skill involved so the difference between like between you and i would be like you were the first son that learned how to archery hunt with your dad where me coming along being the second son down the line to learn my dad had already done the same you know trial and error with my oldest brother russ that had been on an episode as well so you were kind of like that that portion where Mm -hmm. you know my dad and my older brother kind of figured it out together so they learned a lot together the same way well when i came up i 
you know, I was already gaining the knowledge that they had already trial and error and made the mistakes and figured out. Absolutely. You know, so I think you benefited more from that because you got to learn with him and make some of those mistakes and, you know, do the same things. Countless mistakes. I still make them today and I consider myself a pretty good archery hunter, you know. If you're not making them. Everybody makes their mistakes in archery season and that's like you're saying, that's how you learn. You have to make those mistakes. Nobody wants to make them. But right. they're going to happen. So, you know, what you try to do is just minimize the chances on those mistakes happening as far yeah. as, you know, replacing your cables on your climber so you don't squeak next time you stand up or, you know, just anything that you can do to improve your chances. Well, let's get back. I wanted to jump back for a second, kind of learn a little bit more about where you started hunting. But I want to go back into your schedule because you mentioned how this year your schedule is not going to be favorable to you for hunting season. Why don't you get into how you think your schedule is going to affect the way you hunt this year? Because you may have to go into some different tactics being limited on how many hunts you have. Good question. Yeah, what are you going to do different this year, do you think? you have any plans yet? I have a really good plan, I think. Well, let's hear it. All right. (laughs) Well, my, uh, my schedule right now. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. You better hold on to something because it's wild. (laughs) All right. So, we'll just start right now. I'm on my two days off. I get Thursday and Friday off, okay? I just came off a night shift. Now, I get Thursday and Friday off, and I come back on Saturday morning, three to, well, seven to three, excuse me. So, I have day turn, seven to three, all the way until next Friday, seven days. Okay. After that's off, done. I go ahead and I have four days off, which is the best part of my schedule. I get four days in a row off. That's my only weekend of the month. I get Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. I have those days off following my day turn shift. When I come back, I go on the afternoon shift from 3 to 11. Now, I work from 3 to 11 Wednesday, and I finish up the following Tuesday night is what it is. It would be 11 at night. And they call that next day a day off before I switch into night shift. Right. Because it's 24 hours. But what actually happens is on Wednesday night at 11, I have to go back to work for night shift for another seven days. So it's basically... Starting Thursday. Starting Wednesday night. Oh. Thursday morning. Wow. Yeah. So I have 24 hours off. Granted, you don't work overtime and get shafted with just 20 hours off. Right. So it's a... uh, it's not a very favorable situation being that I work 14 straight days right there. They call right. that a day off in between, but it's not. But that after that night shift, it brings me back to right where I'm at right now. And I have Thursday and Friday off until Saturday. I do my day shift, and then it starts all over. I don't but, know how you keep that straight, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it took me many moons, let me tell you. But the good thing is, with these rotating shifts, a lot of people... Uh, don't like it very much so to speak you know me i see it as an opportunity having uh afternoon shift and midnights being okay afternoon shift i work from three until 11 i can make that morning hunt you could absolutely oh, I i'd can. make that work for sure absolutely home, it's nice but so that's a few hours, days out of that week if not every day if i can do it because i also have three kids and that's what know, i mean as long I, as you can pull with things. three kids absolutely yeah, you got the other responsibilities right, taking right. care of the house and absolutely else, thank god you don't have to cut grass too much at time yeah you know, no but. kidding <laughs> <laughs> but there are things that need done before i go hunting you know it's not very many things that top that chart but 
there are things that you have to do, unfortunately, yeah. during hunting season. You can't just shut off all parts of your life, you know? Although you want to. <laughs> yeah. But I can see you, like, during the rut, really pushing the extra effort to get oh, out every yeah, day. Oh, yeah, that's when I took my week's vacation. I get one week vacation this year. You know when I took it? The rut. Yeah. <laughs> Which Absolutely. around here even isn't even the real rut because the rut it's almost not. comes in after our season ends. And you know what? It's we almost like a good thing that they period. do that. Yeah. So they let the deer go ahead and mate and do their thing. But That's still garbage. It is. They, <laughs> they, they, they tease you is what they do. They, they make the last week archery the first week of the rut is basically right. what they do. That's when they're starting to get really hot and heavy. They're not just locking down does waiting for them to come in heat. They're actually looking for the does in heat, yeah. you know? it's a And it's that way if we don't, I don't want to say get screwed, but if we don't get screwed and get a slow trickle rut where yeah. it's it almost, happens, it man. does it's too, It's all about man. the moon phase, it, all kinds of things play into that. You just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, every year's a little different, but it was funny because last year I kept my camera out, which usually I pull my camera as soon as season ends, but this one I kept out for like a month afterwards, and I couldn't tell you the amount of daylight buck pictures I got after the season ended. Unbelievable, yeah. man. That's because they're running weeks. crazy right in them couple weeks. They're, that's it was the peak nuts. of the rut right there. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, that's why, which is nice because we plan it every year. We go out of state for about a 10-day hunt, and we always plan it. The last week of archery, we usually leave like Wednesday or Thursday, and our week our archery season ends on a Saturday typically. Mm -hmm. So that last week we'll Monday leave. This year, isn't it? I don't know. It might be. I think it's it is a Monday. Weird. I don't know what it is this year. It's I a Monday or a That would be weird. I think it's a Monday. So yeah, we usually cut it out, and we'll yeah, you know up. we'll give up three or four days of the pre rut rut in Pennsylvania to take those you know that prime time in illinois or ohio or this year maybe kentucky kentucky so we, i hear good things about kentucky they're a sleeper state man mm -hmm. and i've been seeing a lot of big buck pictures coming out of kentucky and i'm excited the only thing is we haven't done a ton of research yet we don't even know where we're going but nice thing is i'm off work my dad's retired so we're gonna eventually find a few places and we're just gonna drive down there and see what it looks like why not there's there's public lands everywhere we're looking we're looking for public land but we're also looking for archery only land because the problem with down there is their gun season comes in i think november 10th or 11th oh wow is that early yeah so we we obviously try to avoid the gun season even though typically like illinois we were hunting archery only spot but since it was rifle season if it came in the gun season came in we still had to wear orange even though we we're in archery only hmm yeah. Yeah, that's different. They're squirrel hunters or what? No, I don't. I don't know what. It's just the regulation because in Illinois, mixed, uh, they used to not have it. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, I guess. Our last day of archery this year <laughs> is November twelfth. November twelfth ain't bad. It is a Monday. So you're right. Why but they would but, end on a Monday, which is great because guess what, Pennsylvania, you don't get to hunt that Sunday, November 11th, That's which true. might just be that Very great true. day. Yep. <laughs> what does that benefit us? They it's like, oh, we're gonna open it for an extra me. day. That doesn't make sense on Sundays. That's not bad because it comes in early this year too. It's September 29th. Usually, it's like first week of October. Yeah, October but if 3rd. you uh, if you hunt on the eastern side of the state or if you hunt lower like around pittsburgh and stuff it comes in a lot earlier in september yeah, like the second out. week of september goes out later too right oh yeah basically like never it's like yeah but um i've seen a few not uh, over 
amount of like abundance but i've seen a few people shoot a velvet buck early in those lower counties I, in the eastern counties i can believe it. i've yeah. shot one before have you in january dude <laughs> wow yeah that's amazing you shot a velvet buck in january yeah i think um what happened was it got castrated and messed up its hormones so it kept its velvet i gotta hear I have, their story dude we have, sorry what yeah, it was my first that. buck i ever shot that's my first buck. Let's Let me go. Up. Story time. Oh, story yeah, time, it was people. me and my father. Um, I'm not going to give the location, but it was in Union Township. That's the location, idiot. What are well, you doing? Well, not a specific <laughs> one, even though Union Township, Union Township is about... Union one stoplight. Yeah, you're right. And a couple of stop signs. Up. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Anywho. <laughs> Anyhow, um, we're actually not even to the spot yet. Well, I'm just walking in. We can still see the truck. Okay, we're walking in. It is late muzzleloader season, flintlock at that. And uh, I remember my dad had his shotgun because he was rabbit hunting. He was tagged out. We were trying to get me a buck. I had my buck tag left. I already filled my doe tag. And um, I only had one that year. And then um, we were walking in. I was going to shoot a doe or a buck, being that you can do that with my late flintlock season. And... Right off the trail, I mean, this trail isn't just a deer trail. I'm talking about a four-wheeler trail. Walking down the four-wheeler trail, get to her spot, still to see the truck behind us. What do you know? Six-point buck jumps up 20 yards away from me and takes off on a fast, uh, fast-paced trot, I'd say. It wasn't running. It wasn't scared my, you know, out of its mind, but it was trying to get out of there pretty quick. I pulled up my muzzle, my muzzleloader's flintlock, whatever you want to call it, and I rolled it over like a rabbit. One shot right in the heart. Boom. Rolls over. We uh, we go up and look at it. And I'm looking I'm like, Dad, it got hair on his antlers. <laughs> like, I didn't really know what was going on with it. I was young, you know. <laughs> He's like, it's still in velvet. You know, we started looking at it. We got it right there. You know, didn't really uh, inspect its, its, its man parts. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not really something you do, especially if that's... Not something you know to look for in that situation. Now I, I know that that's probably why it was like that. Well, now, but, I mean, it's came out the past few years. I mean, people are shooting more and more antler does, and some of them are still in velvet, and they shoot them in, yeah. like you said, January or something like that. I mean, it, it's crazy. I've seen or, probably four in the last year. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was on the four-wheeler trail, so we backed the truck right up the four-wheeler trail, didn't even have to drag it three feet. Flopped right awesome. in the truck. That was my first buck ever. The la- the hunt lasted a grand total of 10 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> I wish it came that easy for me. I'm telling you, man. There's only a couple times that ever happened to me. Never with a buck except for that that time right there. Usually it's just a doe. Right. Whenever I have a quick hunt like that. It's happened two I mean, other times besides that time. Hell, you were, what, 12 years old then when that happened? 13. Oh, 13? Okay. So 13, you shot your first buck. Even at 13... I mean, I wasn't even hunting yet when you were 13 because I would have been hunting the next year. Right, and, right. And uh, that was still part of the time where if you shot a six-point, you were the man. You know, we've covered that I before. I felt like but... a man. That's for sure. And you shot a six-point in velvet, which you'll probably never do again in January. Ever. Ever. Probably never. The chances on it, you probably get better struck in. I mean, better chance of getting struck by lightning. I don't know what the odds are on that, but it's not very good. <laughs> Uh, we actually, I have one friend too that shot a, a pretty nice buck in velvet. Same thing happened. <clears throat> I think it jumped over the fence or something, and it it cut it and it damaged 
the deer and it had velvet all the way through the year he yeah. shot it late in the season it was total velvet it does something with their hormones or something or another i'm yeah, not I really don't know 100%. how it works i mean i'm not a scientist by any means of the deer but i'd like to think that it had some effect on it yeah well yeah. that kind of brings me into an interesting question that we kind of tend to ask guests from time to time i shouldn't say time to time i guess it's been like every episode so far <laughs> but uh what kind of deer do you like to shoot you uh you a big rat guy big body guy age class guy well it all depends on what part of the season you're looking mm-hmm. you're talking about you know first couple weeks of the season i'm more or less meat hunting for I'm, I'm trying to get that first deer under my under my belt as far as a i, I want a young deer is what i want for my first deer after that, I mean, I'm buck hunting the whole time, but after I get that meat under my belt and I got my first, you know, first blood of the year taken care of, I'm looking for a big buck as far as I want the mature buck in the woods. The antlers don't have to be nothing in specific, but I would like, you know, a nice, heavy, mature buck. It doesn't have to be a 10 or a 12 point or an 8 point. Any amount of points will work as long as it's a mature, nice, big buck as yeah. far as, you know, I want the mass. I want to know that he's the badass in the woods. Yep. You know, so you're more of a big-bodied brute that's the guy that runs that lot. That's who I'm looking for. Yeah. But, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I, um, you know, as the season progresses now, I'm, I'm looking for things that are legal. <laughs> as far yeah. as, you know, whenever I am one week left in archery if you're legal and you come under my stand granted you're not like the ugliest half rack uh three up buck i've ever seen i'm gonna shoot you yeah you know just because i'm trying to fill that tag you make it to rifle season i'm not saying that you got to get lucky to get one rifle but your chances go down a lot That's so at just that cause... point i'm just looking for a buck yeah yeah, because in rifle season, there's so much pressure in the woods and everything. Those bigger bucks, they just really deepen down in the woods and, and kind of hide. Yep. Very true. But I, uh, So you'd rather you'd rather than fill your tag in archery season regardless than hold out for, say, you've seen a nice buck in, in rifle season because you'd, you'd almost rather fill that tag in, with your bow. Absolutely. Rifle season, anything could happen. you got so many more, so many more hunters in the woods. You got so much more pressure. There's a chance they're going to change their pattern because of all the all the pressure they're getting. So there's a good chance you never even see that big buck again until you're, you know, the snows on the ground in in February. That might be the next time you see them. So me personally, after it hits a certain point, I'm not going to just throw a date out there. But whenever I feel in my mind where I better fill this tag, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm there to do. Yeah, especially if you haven't filled the doe tag yet either. Well, you know, if you're having I, I wasn't a real rough talking season. about the doe tags. Usually um, early season, that first week or two. If you do your scouting, you can pretty well uh, pattern them deer, them doe, especially in the first couple of weeks before they change their food source over. You can tell almost to the hour when them deer are going to be there. They're so habitual early in the season. Usually the doe, at least getting a shot, making the shots on me, but getting a shot on a deer in that early season usually usually isn't an issue. Now, do you have anywhere you hunt that you won't shoot a doe? Say so you'll save that spot just for bucks, like you well, know you have a doe pattern and you want to. Yes, actually, there is one spot, and that's 
mainly, it's not a good deer management decision to uh, let every doe on your land live. First right. of all, I just want to make that clear. Yeah, there's a lot of old timers out there that don't listen, so no. we don't have to fight with well, them. Well, but. <laughs> I'm not going to get into why. You know, that's just my views. We're just going to leave it at that. But there is a landowner where I hunt in uh, Kennerdale in Venango County, and uh, he doesn't like any doe shot on his property. Now, you know, I respect the landowners that are granting me position, permission to hunt there, so mm -hmm. I listen. But I can tell you that I haven't seen any differences in the deer herd since he started doing this five years ago. Yeah. You know, um, it's not like there's more deer or less. It's, uh, you know, this, unless you have two, three hundred acres that you're talking about, it's not a good idea to manage deer at all on, in this area because they're going to just run right onto the next patch. Around here, what you're average guy he uh owns 40 50 acres yeah i would say on lucky, average you know what i mean that if that deer don't stay on 40 50 acres they're in right. and out you're you're passing on a deer that the guy right over there is going to shoot while you, you can hear the gunshot in your stand you know it's just um i i don't just don't agree with that yeah <laughs> i think it's different everyone has their own mindset for their harvesting idea of harvesting and managing deer and some you know to their benefit is it is what they what it is what it is i mean it is what Absolutely. they they agree upon everyone has their own idea and like you said if that's the landowner's decision and you're hunting on his land you have to follow that no because yeah. you don't Respect have a choice no man. problem yeah. at all man and landowner asks me to uh, you know pick up all the trash which i do anyway I'm going to do that because he's doing me a favor by letting me go ahead and hunt on his property that that people don't realize how hard it is to get land to hunt on. Right. Once you have that, that that's like your baby. You got to take care of it's it. It's not you guaranteed. Know? No, not at all. You got to do everything you can to hold on to that property. I mean, I hear guys every year, you know, I lost this property. I lost that property. I mean, mm -hmm. me and Rob and even JD, he hunted on it too. We lost a property a couple of years ago and it was, it was awesome. Granted, it wasn't anything that we did, but the place got sold. But it was, it was a phenomenal farm to be able to hunt on, and it was a couple hundred acres, and it was it was awesome. I miss it really bad. I mean, yeah. Every time I went out there, I saw a deer. It was crazy. I want to go back to saying where it's not a good idea to manage uh, deer at all on your property. I, I that was pretty uh, blatant <laughs> and not entirely true. Now, if you see a, 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 a it's good to manage bucks more than it is to manage does, is what I'm saying, okay? You want a good bloodline on your land. That's, that's what you're looking for if you're trying to manage your deer. Now, if you have a scraggly buck running around making all your doe pregnant, that's not really something that you want as right. far as, you know, deer management. So, yeah, you want to take those deer that aren't really ever going to mount to anything when it comes to antler size. But like you said, though, to your point, you have to have enough land to actually effectively manage a deer bird in the first place. Absolutely. And, and, and where we mistake. hunt, what you're saying is where we hunt, mm -hmm. we hunt in small, small parcels. Absolutely. Where you may hunt on a landowner's property that may only own 12 acres of the total 60 acres of woods that surround that 12 acres. And those deer come on and off that property all the time. You your, yourself can't really manage the doe herd or the buck herd in that property because you're not hunting the same deer all the time. It's it's just a small little piece. Exactly. It's yeah. it's, a, it's all it's foolish. 
Yeah. We think, we can't yeah. relate to like the Midwestern type where no, no, everyone no. out there owns 300 acres. Square miles they're talking about. They're not right. talking about acres anymore. We're talking about miles. How many yeah. miles do you own? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, usually damn near impossible. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just to clarify, like you said, you're just trying to you're speaking on your own personal uh, experiences, your Absolutely. own personal properties. Yeah. So yes. not to be confused with you know, someone listening might be like, "Oh, that's oh, crap. That you can crazy. you can yeah. do that." Well, in certain circumstances, yes. In certain circumstances, no. In your circumstances, no. Absolutely not. Because I know a lot of properties good. you hunt, and they're not very big. I you know. know. Yeah. So well, I want to move on to a different topic here. I want to go into tactics a little bit. Technical difficulty break. And we're back from the break. Sorry about that, guys. We just uh, <laughs> we technical had to difficulties. We, we had water pee- the outside. Right. We had a pee break. Sorry about that. Water the horses. <laughs> so we were just we were just kind of BSing before the break about Facebook kind of looking at the latest post on our episode uh, that we did with Clint Campbell. And it brought up a point. So there is this hunting Pennsylvania page. Don't hate on them too bad, dude. I'm not going to hate on it, okay? It's a decent page, but here's what I can say negatively about it. People post pictures on there of their deer, and it's a great deer, but then they put a number to it. And you know that they haven't officially gotten a scored. This guy recently, and they do it to bait people into cause argument and uh, like just bad discussion. Like my dad said, you know, whenever he was on, people post things that purposely bring up bad discussion. So this guy posts this deer that he shot. It's a non-typical and it's a nice deer. Mind you, I have a pretty good idea what deer score. And I looked at this deer. It's about 115, 120 inch deer. The guy posted deer. Oh, my great buck that from last year finally got it back from the taxidermy, 163-inch net gross. And I was like, oh, no, he didn't. So, of course, <laughs> me, I fall into the trap, and I click comments. And I go through each comment, and everybody – then at that point, everybody starts posting their deer pictures and that what they scored. And, oh, this one's 140, and it's not even close to this one. And then you're looking at some of those, and you're like, man, your deer's 120 inches. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I, Absolutely. I, but, and then some people do post with the actual papers, and you look at them like, yep, that's a 140-inch deer. Yeah. 100%, no doubt about it, I give you 140 inches. But people do it, and on that page, it, it bothers me because – People post on there and they purposely try to create controversy between hunters. And I don't get it. Like the hunting community needs to start sticking together and not worrying about this dumb stuff. But it happens all the time and it's frustrating. But it's a it's a great page. I posted our podcast on it. You know, hey, check out our podcast. If anybody listening is from, you know, a part of the hunting group, which I know a couple of people that are, post positive things. Just kind of try to keep things positive. But that's just kind of my tangent on that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Tom, you're part of it, right? Uh, you actually invited me. You yes. invited me into that group. Uh, I'm the guy. You're the guy that started my frustration with yes, other hunters I in Pennsylvania. Guy. <clears throat> you know, yeah, um, I see a lot of that where people go ahead and try being Superman on there because there's nobody there to score their own buck or, you know, right. and... I, I do see a lot of arguing over dumb things that don't even need to be argued about. It seems like people get on there just to, uh, you know, start a ruckus. Yeah, cause and, a stir. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I, I don't appreciate that. I like to get on there and see the pictures, mm-hmm. you know, people taking down some nice deer. Absolutely. I'm not one to hate on somebody else for shooting a good deer. 
I, I, I commend them. I, you know, congrats. That's great. You know, I want to see good deers being brought. Deers. <laughs> <laughs> good deers. <laughs> I want to no. see good deer getting shot, you know. Um, I just don't need to see all the other bull crap that comes with it. Even the small deer that are shot on there, I mean, own up to your deer. When you shoot a deer, you shot it because of a reason. Hopefully it's a good reason. That's why we all hunt. Hopefully for the best reasons. But own up. You owe the respect to that animal that you took its life to own up to that deer and claim it as a deer that you were excited about when you shot it. I'm sick of seeing the, you know, the deer just wasn't the biggest one, but, you know, it was down to the wire and I took it. Don't make excuses for why you shot and took the life of an animal. If you have an excuse for it, you're not hunting for the right reasons. You're not doing this for the right reasons, and I'm sick of seeing it. You know, it, it's garbage. I'll shoot. I'll be the first one to tell you when I I did not harvest a buck with my bow until two years ago, and up to that point, any legal buck that went past me was getting carbon flung the, their way because I did not care. I didn't care what you thought or what the next door neighbor thought about my deer that'd be hanging in the tree next morning. I was proud that I would have harvested a buck with my bow. I want to well, point out that any deer taken with a bow, is a being a doe, yep. being a yearling, I don't care what it is, it's a trophy. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And we've gone into it in a previous episode talking about score and everything. And, you know, <clears throat> I don't necessarily agree Thanks. with um, scoring every deer or anything like that. Like, there are certain circumstances where I, I don't want to say that it calls for getting it scored or anything like that but if you want to score your deer learn how to score them i mean you can go on youtube you can download the pope and young sheet right off their website get yourself a measuring tape if you don't know how to read a measuring tape go on yeah. learn how to read a measuring tape but get a wire a flexible wire get your measuring tape get your score sheet you can go on you can learn how to score your deer the right way i don't want to hate on people for scoring their deer i mean it it is nice to be able to Give someone a reference like, oh, I shot a 120-inch deer. Or, right. But, especially if it's a good one. You yeah, especially if it's it a good one, You're going to get yeah. a lot of questions about that, and right. that's going to be one of them. Right. I mean, you, have, you shoot a nice buck, or you shoot a really cool-looking buck or something like that, and someone asks you what it scored, I mean, you want to be able to throw something out. I mean, you don't want to BS them at all and be like, oh, it was 160 inches when it was 115 inches or whatever. Right. But, you know, I don't, I don't think people should get on each other about it. I mean... I was just no. talking, I think, a couple episodes ago about people hating on little kids for... That's unbelievable. That blows my mind that you can... The only thing I can hate on somebody for is a hero pose. Nothing gets <laughs> under my skin more than a hero pose. It's just unbelievable. I, I mean, I'll let, you know, a little kid doing a hero pose. That's great. You know, whatever makes the kid They're happy. excited, man. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. But you got these guys holding the deer on the camera and standing 10 feet behind it and saying, look how big my deer is. And like... No, man, that, that's not how it works. Let's take a real picture. I want to see what your deer actually looks like. <laughs> I got a question, though. What bothers you more, the hero pose or whenever they post the the bucks in the paper and the weight is like 300 pounds, oh, you know, 250? Do they still because, do that? When oh, we yeah. were kids, they, I, I remember they you could go and submit your buck and it'd be yep. like a giant, like it'd be in like in the middle of the paper. There'd be a two or three sections of just pictures there's, of people. There's several and... pages of the, the deer that are harvested. If you submit them, they will actually put what your weight 
and score typically i think are no they'll do points and weight points and weight yeah they don't do and score i think they do location and yeah and location and like do that, location yep. yeah and the, every deer it's like 250 yep. 300 that's like come this on this is man. not saskatchewan people yeah, yeah. come on saskatchewan man. yes to even hit PA a 200 to get a 250 pound doe or you know 300 pound buck it could happen but it, oh, i don't know i don't even know if it could <laughs> I mean, the biggest buck I've ever seen shot in PA that we've actually scale weighted was my dad's buck that he shot this old gnarly buck. And I think it was close to 200, if not just over 200. And that deer, when I grabbed its antler and tried to pull it, it didn't move. I mean, that deer was oh, yeah, dead weight, massive. Man. I don't, I don't want to brag by any means, but this buck right here. That <clears throat> buck's a beast. That buck was a beast, okay? There's some mass on that. I one. had that. I took we took that to a deer process because I was working at the time. I didn't have any time to cut it up myself, and we had already took the head off of it. Okay, and they put it on the scale. They hung it up. That deer was almost too long to put on the scale. Yeah, it was almost dragging. They barely got it up off the ground. It weighed two oh eight. See, without its guts in it and without its head, that was the biggest deer I've ever shot. Well, there so you go. One of the biggest ones I've ever what, seen. Two thirty five, two forties, mm-hmm. probably. And that's a giant deer. That was an old that's deer. Think giant. about a 300 pound deer, what that would look like. I can't even imagine. Exactly. They it, don't it make probably them don't. Here. It, it don't. Yeah, around here. Saskatchewan, yes. Yeah. Midwest, maybe? Uh, that, was the, that was the biggest deer I ever saw on the, like, on the hoof. On the hoof that See, I, could, that I, I actually had an opportunity to shoot because I've, I've seen bigger deer. Yeah. Not necessarily around here, but I've seen bigger deer. But that was the biggest deer I've seen around here on the hoof that I had an opportunity to shoot. Yeah, I, I have. I missed one that I I couldn't even imagine what it would have weighed. I, it looked like a like cattle walking by. I think I told that story before. Man, it looked like absolute cattle. But I bet it would have probably been. It would easily been over two hundred pounds because the one I shot this year was a nice big body deer, and it was in the one eighties. 186 i think uh field dressed so oh watch the stand there <laughs> but yeah that's that's a nice buck man i i'm not upset for you that because that it's I mean, the buck we're skull, looking at how big even just the yeah. skull you can see how old he is the buck we're looking at is one that austin big took with his head. with his bow and it's it's that's a half rack kind of half rack it's a half rack where the main beam snapped off on the other side just past the brow tine so it only has the G1 on the left side. And the right side has five points. And it is massive. I mean, it's got it the big. dark, gnarly antlers at the bottom where all the little bumps and everything are. You know, that thing was just tearing up trees and just... I mean, it was definitely on the on the tail end of pretty heavy maturity. Probably a, what, five-year-old? I'd say five I, and I a half. I think it was a five-year-old, Five-year-old, yeah. Yeah, but he, uh, I don't know, I... It, the main beam on this thing is pretty hefty. Yeah. I'd like to see the buck that broke him off. Yeah, that snapped it right mm-hmm. at the at the base He's got kind of gnarly little, uh, his brow like curls in on the inside. He's, I don't know, he's a cool buck. I like yeah. him. I'll put yeah. a picture of him in the, in the description. Yeah. I'm glad you put him in here because we were calling this the rack shack, but we finally, uh, Austin finally remodeled and got all the racks <laughs> got in some here. some racks in here. You know, we didn't have our racks in here yet, but we got, you know, we got... A little bit of remodel going on, and we got plans for the rack shack. We're gonna have this place bumping. Give it a couple months. I might have a, a rack for the shack. A contribution to the shack? I do. It's not mine. That'd be cool though. It was a found one. That's right. Oh a yeah. Deadhead. Yeah, deadhead. Mm-hmm. 
I got some more deadheads and, and stuff put in. I'm not going to put my actual mounts in here, but I got a couple more euros and stuff to put in here yet. So. Yeah. That's coming together, man. Yeah, man. It's a nice little space we got here, for it sure. It is. It's very, very, uh, very nice for this situation. <laughs> Talk about deer. You got to have deer around to look Absolutely. at, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You got the rustic feel. It's nice. You got well, the hunting camp feel to it. That's right. That's right. We're just sitting around here BSing. You know, so, well, let's get back into it, I guess. Uh, Tom, you wanted to talk about some of your tactics, man, some of the, your key factors that have made you successful. You've gotten done. You've gotten it done on some pretty good deer over the years. Uh, why don't you go ahead and let us know about what you do in specific that you think makes you the hunter that you are today? In specific, yeah. I, cannot, I cannot stress enough how important scent control is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike McCoy, the guy you interviewed, what was A couple that? episodes ago. A couple episodes ago. Yep. That story he told about the guy that wanted to bring him to a spot. He had a couple doe coming out every night. He said, but you're not coming unless you go take your shower, you wash your clothes, an earth scent, you do all the right things, scent control, you don't bring your cigarettes in the stand. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. I was that guy. Well, you're a smoker. Get I into that smoker. a little bit. What do you do? What do you What do you do when it comes season? I chew. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. I just chew, and uh, I, I, you know what? I was really big on not chewing in the stand and spitting underneath me. Okay. One day I had uh, some winter green chew, and I was spitting on the ground below me. Mama and two little babies came in. One of the babies was licking it. <laughs> the wintergreen. Yeah. So now I only chew wintergreen when I'm in the woods. <laughs> I don't know if it's a, an attracting thing or I don't know. I know that's not legal, so to speak, but I've never heard anybody baiting with chew. So <laughs> I think I'm okay. I don't really think it draws them in, but they're a very curious creature. And they probably, you know. It, wintergreen smells pretty good, if you ask me. <laughs> I don't know what a, what a deer <laughs> thinks about it, but yeah, it was definitely curious enough to come up and lick it, and it didn't spook it. Yeah. So I'm thinking wintergreen's safe. Well, there you go. But uh, yeah, I, I chew in the stand whenever I'm not smoking, just to get that nicotine fix in if you need to do it, which I do, unfortunately. Well, speaking of stands, what kind of stand do you prefer? You a hang-on guy, ladder stands, climber? I prefer a ladder stand just because of the convenience. But more times than not, I have my climber on the back. Not more times than not. I say it's about 50-50. A lot of my hunting in the early seasons, kind of, you were talking about the run-and-gun style. Mm -hmm. That's kind of me in the early season. I have a good idea where I'm going, but I'm trying to pinpoint it. Right. As the season progresses, I might try, you know, the the east side of the, the thicket one time. Maybe the next time I'm, you know, somewhere completely different at the water source. You know, I'm just trying to figure out what trail they're taking to go where, what time. Uh, so there's a lot of times that I have the climber on the back in which I use the summit. Hmm. Do you have any, one. like, a specific <laughs> tree that's, like, your favorite? Oh, I have a favorite tree at couple spots gps Absolutely. coordinates would be nice haha <laughs> yeah right <laughs> at the corner of new york and <laughs> yes <laughs> oh boy. my good. man he is a listener yes absolutely. that's what you should tell everyone from here on out because i'll tell you what, it's fun actually seeing the response at like, first huh, right in the panhandle there huh? <laughs> dude come close to the season i'm gonna get shirts made it'll be a limited run but we'll have we'll have my spot is on the corner 
Now, New York. I have a good story about West trees. Though. New York and West Virginia, right on the Panhandle. There's yeah, a, get into that. There's this one spot that me and my father has been hunting since I was 12. Anyway, I don't know how long he's been hunting before then, but since I was 12, which is quite a long ways off, it's 18 years ago. I it was just two years ago. I went down to this spot and I had my climber on my back and uh, the tree I was going to it was. First thing in the morning, I was by myself. Or the tree I was going to happened to have fallen over. So I was pretty upset about it. You know, there wasn't too many trees in the area. I think I struck by lightning or something. It looked like I struck by, struck by lightning. But, uh, so I went to the other side of the thicket where um, my dad, when he would come, usually would go. I'm snooping around over there. Now it's getting daylight because I had to wait for that because I didn't know what tree I was going up in at this point. So I get up in this tree when it gets uh, light enough to see. I find this perfect tree that was beautiful for the situation, the way the wind was coming in. Everything was, was perfect, okay? So I go ahead, and I get up in this tree, and I hunt most of the afternoon with no luck, into the afternoon with no luck. And uh, I get down. And on my, like, second stride on my way down with my climber, my feet get stuck on my foot part of my climber. gets stuck on something. What the hell was that, you know? <laughs> Didn't run into that on the way up. So I look around. I can't see it. So I'm like, whatever. So I wiggle my feet, and I get by it. And I go down to where the spot where I got stuck was about eye height. I look there, and what do I see? An accessory hook <laughs> that was grown into the tree where only, like, an inch and a half was sticking out. So I get down the rest of the way, and I didn't think much of it, and uh, the following week, same spot, same tree, I ended up harvesting a, uh, a seven point. I, I, I called my dad whenever I shot it, I said, Dad, I got a seven point, I made a really good shot, I said, you know, if you want to come down and help me out, that's great, it's starting to get dark, bring a lantern, whatever we got to do. All right, I'm coming down. So he was there in like five minutes. It was almost like he was waiting for my call. I don't know how he got there so fast, but he did to the point. We didn't need the lantern yet. So he comes down in there with me, and I had my uh, my tree stand leaned up against the tree and my bow and everything, and he gets down there. He goes, did you shoot that buck out of this tree? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, no shit. You should have grabbed my hook. I left it up for like 10 years ago. <laughs> Sure as shit, that's what I was getting hung up on was his hook. It was yeah. his. So it's just crazy over that many years. First of all, you remembered he was up there. Yeah. Second of all was the fact that him and I both picked the exact tree. So right. I'm not sure like uh, what kind of crazy mind thing we had going on where <laughs> we just picked the same tree out of nowhere but i thought it was pretty cool we both had the same mindset and the same ideas you know yeah. a decade apart from each other great yeah. minds think alike now i'm telling you man and that that hook was in the tree so much where only like i said about an inch and a half was sticking out it was just enough where you could make out what the hell it was <laughs> it Jeez. was unbelievable <laughs> i used to climb a tree an aspen tree actually in a nice little uh, funnel ravine, one of Ross's spots that I stole. And uh, it actually had two steps in the tree, like the old steps, that, but old, old school steps. And I used to have to climb up over them and like work my climber around it. 
But that tree eventually died, and now I don't know where to hunt down there. <laughs> that's why you get one of those. You can hunt I will. I will. But that's where, yeah. Actually, that's where I, when I went through, Funny. I drew back on a, a really nice buck one year. And I think I told this story before, but I drew back on a really nice buck there. And I drew back quick because he came into my lane so fast. He was chasing a doe, just grunting the whole way in. And it, I only had one nice little lane down to where he was. And as soon as I drew back, my drop away rest didn't have a guard on it. And when I drew back quick, it popped my arrow off the rest. And there stands the buck of my lifetime at the time. I never killed a buck up to that point. 15 yards broadside. Never looked at me once. And I, I had to yell at him damn near to stop him. And I finally stopped him right as I was drawing. He came into my lane and it popped off my rest. And I couldn't, <clears throat> couldn't reach my arrow with my hands to get it back on the rest. I had to let down. The deer kept going. Chased the doe away. So that brings up an interesting point. Do you, uh, do you typically... <sighs> grunt or bleed at them to stop them or do you kind of wait until they stop on their own i give them a meep you're you're a meeper i'm I'm a meeper meeper. i am too i will if i uh, absolutely have to but i i really prefer to try and let them stop on their own me too then they have no idea what hit them you're right i agree 100 percent with you but sometimes you can't do that you can't i've yelled at deer before like he was saying he had to damn near yell at the one i've had deer come by me dogging a doe and i've been literally hey 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 no paid no attention to me just kept all on going care about like, was that doe. all i cared about was that doe i could have been naked <laughs> that's one of my stories <laughs> i have a very good story actually it was my first big buck it's, that's part of the story it's something like that i don't know if you guys want me to go into that right dude go second. into it go man. for it that's man. what this is for okay well it was my first trophy buck okay I was up at that spot I was telling you about up in Kennerdale in uh, Venango County. GPS coordinates would be nice. Yes, yes, yes. I told you already. We'll get those after the podcast. <laughs> and uh, I was up there. We were late to the stand that day for whatever reason. We got hung up and we couldn't get in the stand uh, when we wanted to. It was me and my dad going up this time. We get up there and we have maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours of daylight depending on where you're at and where your stand is. If it's covered up or whatnot but anyway and prior to this i've been hunting this area and it seemed like all the deer were funneling to this one spot on this ridge line for whatever reason and i see the deer on the left i see them on the right they all end up down in the same area eventually it's uh, some kind of staging point down there to do whatever they were doing so i decide this is a spot where we have seven ladder stands on the property like we have this place mapped out to the point where if the wind's going this way you use these stands if this is happening they switch the food source yet if you go over here you know i mean we have it down to a science at that spot we do really well there and uh i all these deer this particular year was taken this one area and ended up in the same place so i told my dad i said you know what i'm bringing my climber today i know we have a hundred uh ladder stands that are really easy to get through i know we're behind I just have a feeling I need to take my climber and I need to go down to that ridge line where I keep seeing these deer. Go for it. He's not going to tell me what to do. I mean, he can give me uh, advice, but, you know, he's not going to tell me what I have to do. So, he wasn't very for it at the time. You know, we were late. You have a ladder stand right there. Get up and, you know, but whatever. I ended up bringing my climber. So, I go down to where I wanted to go. It was raining a little bit. This a little light light rain sleet thing going on. I like on. a little bit of rain. A little drizzle. Yeah, I like a little drizzle. And it stopped. So, I get to where I find a tree in this area. I'm like, you know, slim pickings down here. 
this is what I'm going to have to make work. It was a smooth bark tree. I'm not 100% sure on what type of tree it was, but it had smooth bark. Not ideal for a climber. Raining. So, I start climbing this tree. It's, uh, it, it's about as big as you can get your hands around and lock fingers. Oh. That's about as big as a tree is. You picked okay? a bad tree, I'm telling you that right now. I know. It's Keep not going. Good. <laughs> so I started going up the tree and I have a 20 foot rope that I hook on the bottom part of my climber and whenever I start picking my bow up that's where I stop about 22 feet or so up in the air. So I'm getting up there to where there's only like maybe a coil or two left. I'm probably about 18 foot or so. So what happens? Top and bottom of my stand decide to give out simultaneously. Yes I have my hunter safety system on. But it was scary, man. I mean, I'm sliding down this tree just holding on for dear life. Both front, I mean, both my feet and my arms. I'm going, I'm just sliding slowly, but scary. You know what I mean? I finally stopped about five feet, four or five feet down the tree. So I'm sitting right at 13 feet. <laughs> Which is not ideal at all for archery. So I looked around after I went ahead and picked my heart up off the ground. I uh, I just started kicking my stand in. I said, you know what? I'm staying right here at 13 feet. I ain't going up in the street again. I'm just asking for it. So I kick in my bottom. I get on my shooting rail on my top, and I'm bouncing my butt on it. You know, I'm just getting it really locked in there. I pull up my. I'm going to pull up my bow. I'm pulling up, pulling up. I get it up, and uh, I put my easy hanger in my pocket so I have something to hang my bow on once I get up there. I have my easy hanger already, and I skip that part. And then uh, I'm pulling my shit up. I hang my bow up. I pull my my backpack. That's the only two things on the rope. I put it on. I put it on my uh, my seat. I'm facing the tree. I look to my right. Who's standing there? Mama Doe. Pounding her hoof on the ground. She's snorting. I'm busted. So she takes off running. I'm shit. You know. I blew this hunt. I should have just listened to my dad. I should have gotten the ladder. I should have been up here earlier. You know, a million things are going through my mind about how I messed this hunt up because the buck's probably on her. So I'm like, screw it. You know, I put on my face mask, my gloves. I get out my range finder. I'm starting to range logs and shit. My 20 yards is right there. That tree over there, missing the bark. That's 25. That's what I do when I'm up on my stand, you know. Yeah. So I look over where this doe comes from. I forget if they, he made a noise or whatever, but there he is. Giant eight point standing there. Biggest boy looked like a mule standing there, you know. <laughs> so my heart drawn like, oh my God. You know, so I go and I grab my bow and I turn around. Mind you, I'm facing a tree. So I grab my bow off the tree, <laughs> off the tree and I spin the whole way around so I can get a shot. He's not there anymore. So I look around the tree like I have to like lean over, lean over my tree stand. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is rough with this here microphone. You're struggling a little I bit. I know. I'm, I'm... We're getting a good visual though. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm leaning over my tree stand. And I see the buck's ass running the other way. I'm like, okay. So I spun around the whole way around. You. Now, that don't sound like a lot, but when you're up in a tree stand holding a bow, turning the whole way around, that's a lot of movement. Yeah. So I turn the whole way around to where this buck is now 20 yards away, quartering away. 
I go to go to full draw. What do I do? My top limb hits my easy hanger. I hung it too low in the tree. Never happened to me before in my life. That doe busted me. I was in. I was disoriented. I put it in too low. So now it looks like I'm taking a poop off my 13 foot ladder. I mean climber stand. Okay. So I am stooping off this ladder. I mean off of this climber. Excuse me. So I can get past my easy hanger. I finally get my bow back to full draw. I make a perfect shot. He's still quartering away. The only reason he stopped at this point, he kind of knew something was up because he heard my easy hanger. And the only reason he stopped was to jump over this log that was probably about waist high. And as soon as he stopped, I let it fly. That was not a situation for meeping because he already knew something was up. I meep, he's probably going to bolt. Oh, yeah. So he just stopped for that split second. I let him have it. Quartering away, I hit him perfect. I mean, the broadhead probably came out of his heart. It probably took some of the heart out into the ground with the arrow. Like, it was the most perfect shot I ever laid on a deer. This thing ran straight at the driveway and fell over 10 yards from the road. <laughs> the landowner seeing the lights and everything going on the landowner came down with his dirt bike and helped me drag it the 10 feet <laughs> so how awesome is that right i didn't even have to drag it the little bit that i did drag it the landowner helped me do it and he was congratulating me he was a very good uh he's a very good guy to hunt on this land he was very happy to see a big buck taken he was congratulating me he wasn't uh salty so to speak at all yeah. you know it was a very good uh very good hunt from start to finish aside from the fact that i got in too late which is probably why i got the buck in the first place because if i didn't spook that doe that buck wouldn't have had a reason to be so disoriented and so stupid yeah he came around that corner and all he cared about was where did my meat go <laughs> where did my punani go you know what i mean that's all he cares about so he don't care about me smacking my easy hanger around up in the tree, just swinging around looking like Tarzan up there. You know, he just—he was too stupid to realize I was there all because of the rut. He was all hey. rutted up. His hormones were going, yep. and that's what killed him. I've said it before, man. The hardest deer in the woods to kill is the mama doe because absolutely, without a doubt, a big buck like that gets stupid when it comes that time of year. The only reason I got him is because he was stupid. Yep. I messed up twice where that deer shouldn't have got shot, and he still did because of the rut. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's crazy, man. There were some antics going on here. I liked it. I that was a too. good story. <laughs> I like how you forgot that you had a microphone. You stood up and started like <laughs> acting like you were drawing your bow. Oh, yeah. I, I, love it. I get into it, man. That's cool, man. The passion like... is flowing, I'll be honest. I, I can see it in you. Definitely. I gotta get you a headset next time you're on, so you can just do whatever you want. You already have a microphone there. <laughs> you might as well just go ahead and get a video camera. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe a camera too to watch. <laughs> It'd be a lot more enjoyable. I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah, it's good, man. I love it. Oh it's boy. Good. Well, we've pretty much touched on most things Wait, we wanted to talk about, but why did I tell that story? That brought us into something. <laughs> Because, uh, oh shoot, what did I say? I said something. I forget, and that's why the story came about. Oh, I said, I, I was talking about how, how I tried to stop a deer and I was yelling at him, hey, hey, yeah. hey. Uh, and I, I could have been naked, like doing jumping jacks, and he wouldn't have cared. He right, all he cared about was that doe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw that buck again either. I think he was a cruiser. It was That was actually, wasn't last year, it was the year before on Halloween. 
Oh, I've always wanted to shoot strange. a Halloween Me too. buck. And this buck right here, that one, I was so close. I shot him on October 3rd. Uh, I've always yeah, wanted Both the it. big bucks I got were drifters. Same spot, same landowner. That's the only reason I know they're drifters. Yep. He's a hunter too. He's just a, he's just a gun hunter though. But you go through the woods and you can't drive or walk around that woods without seeing a couple cameras. I mean, he has them everywhere. You he, know what? They're props for him the too. Buck, you know what I mean? Like he knows the deer that come through his property. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in both the bucks I shot up there, he said he's never seen them before. Yeah. So hmm. they're coming from mountains away just to, you know, just chasing does. Yeah. Well, a lot props of the bucks to him for just even being happy for you to shoot i mean he could have been mm -hmm. mad about it like he was oh, really I he had has that kids that are coming up hunting and everything else you know you'd think oh my kid could have shot that no he was so cool about it he was yeah. just as pumped up as my father was i'm not just as pumped up but you know what i mean well yeah. people have lost permission before because they've killed deer in archery season on a rifle hunter's land because people think you're out there with a bow and arrow you ain't gonna kill anything yeah you can hunt my land and you know i, I think it was my dad that told someone one time he asked him for permission and guy kind of snickered and he's like yeah you're hunting with bow and arrow you can hunt my land he's like wait hold on a second i'm gonna kill your deer he's like i want you to understand that right now i'm gonna kill your deer you know <laughs> i need to make sure that's okay before you give me permission to hunt your land because yeah. we do we kill deer man we you know, you may think what you want with a bow and arrow. If you're a rifle hunter only, you can have your own vision. But archery hunters, we get the first pick at it. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. what's funny about archery that? Archery hunters usually tag out. Oh, typically. Man. I try to. I always keep a doe tag, like I said. Oh, before, yeah. You want to hunt with your buddies. That's the only reason I keep season. one. Yeah. I, I like doing the uh, flintlock late season. I always try to leave a tag. Dude, Although I'm so hard. bad with a flintlock. <laughs> you would you would die laughing if you saw me shoot a flintlock. Except for I'm right there with you in the bad shot of with a flintlock club. I'm Dude, horrible. <laughs> it's a flinch lock. It's not a flintlock. <laughs> you put me next to a barn and say hit the barn. Oh, I forgot. I'll miss to the barn. <laughs> that's what I shot my first buck with. Now you said that yeah, story. Yeah, you said you shot a flintlock. Yeah. Did I say yeah. a yeah. flintlock? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. if I told you that earlier. You did I not. Said that here, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, that was good. the only deer. Well, I killed a doe aside from that, but yeah. I'm so bad, dude. Yeah, it was horrible. I've, I've shot probably five, six times per season and only have two deer. You know who's awesome so. with a flintlock? Rob. Really? He is phenomenal with a flintlock, dude. I mean, he shot... He shoots foxes with his flintlock. I mean, that would be everything. awesome, man. You have to have your flint down to, I mean, a granule. You have to have your patches correct. You have to know if your shoot, if your gun shoots a maxi or a round ball or a sabot, what shoots. I mean, there's so many variables oh, going yeah. to shooting those guns. It my gets... head's spinning. Here's my thing about it, though. My uncle, we we share the same flintlock, and I know it's just me. It's not. It's not the gun. It's not what we loaded with or anything. He can shoot it, and he's he's shooting a pie plate at 80 yards or whatever we sighted in at. I don't think it's 100. I think it's 80 yards that we sighted in at. And he's hitting that pie plate, and I could shoot it 10 times before I go out hunting, and it's just kind of... <laughs> when I go out flintlock, I'm pretty much going out to push with guys. It's not, I'm not shooting. It. Yeah, and <laughs> you know? guess what? Both the deer I shot were on a dead... Well, the buck was pretty much running, and the doe was running as fast as a deer can run when I shot her. That's the only two deer I ever killed. If they're standing there broadside, I'm going to miss. Yeah. 100%. But I if they're running, at least I have somewhat of a shot. 
I actually have a funny Flintlock story. It's not even me, but I, I've heard the story a million times. And uh, it, my uncle, he's he's great shot with the Flintlock. He was going out with his buddy, and his buddy's usually pretty good too. And uh, he put new sights on his Flintlock. I think he went with fiber optic sights instead of the regular iron sights. Yeah. And I think he only shot it once or twice, and he thought it was good. Well, I don't know if he bumped it going in or, or what, but they, they were kind of still hunting through the woods. I think there was snow on the ground, so it was, it was quiet. It wasn't crunchy snow or anything like that. And they were walking through, and they saw these two doe bedded down, and they were kind of bedded facing each other. And uh, my uncle's buddy, he pulled up, and he went to shoot the one on the left. He leaned up against a tree, and everything was solid. Went to shoot the one on the, was it the left? I think it was the right one. He went to shoot the one on the right. And he ended up hitting the one on the left in the head. Like, <laughs> hey, he got one. He, he got it. I mean, it was dead as a doornail, but it just, yeah. I mean, hey, it is what it is, man. Hey, deer dead. Yeah. Yep. Deer down. Deer down. If that was me, I'd have shot the, uh, the tree about 15 feet away from it. <laughs> I've never tried the flintlock, uh, to be honest with you. I've never went out flintlock hunting. I've gone late season archery hunting. Dude, listen, it's so much fun. Well, Mike talks it's about so it too. Hard. Mike's been trying to get me into it. McCoy's been trying to get me into it. You'd but love I'm like, it. You'd love it. It's just that time of year, the deer are kind of uh, grouping up again. They're on bed to food. Yeah. Bed to food, man. And it's hard that time of year, unless you know what you're looking for. Like, you have late season beans or something that you have a farmer that you know that didn't cut his beans or, or left excess beans on the ground or Something like that, or you find a good locust. Maybe locust, yeah. Yeah, locust grow for late season is awesome on those pods. But unless you have that, it late season is hard for bow hunting, man. It's maybe an old uh, like cornfield or something too, where they dump their corn trying to pick. They it dump up. their corn maybe, or they left a few rows on by accident, and you know I've I've Bad always year. heard, and I've kind of wanted to because we have beans around here everywhere pay a farmer just to leave me a couple rows of beans or something yeah. like that and yeah i know beans are good late season too i've usually i get i don't know why in the past i've got kind of hunted out i usually have typically have pretty good success i try to have good success in archery season and then rifle season comes around and rifle is more about man just getting out with the buddies camaraderie and that's know? the only reason i got rifle anymore and then you hunt that well then we do our 10 day out of out of state hunt where we hit it hard every morning every evening evening it doesn't matter you're burned out you're burned out you're yeah. in the woods you know 10 days straight that's a hard day man yeah and you're living out of them together yep you're living out of a camper so you're not even like it's not even like you're going back to your mm-hmm. bed to rest and you're heat. getting back to warmth is all you're doing yeah, yeah, if that. Sometimes the camper's not even warm. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. You get back and you just want to start a fire just to heat up. But, uh, yeah, we definitely – I get. I usually get hunted out, but I, I, I want to try to change that this year. I, I hear so many good stories about late season, and that's the best time you can pattern big bucks because they're worn down from the rut and they're just all about their bellies at that point. Yep, true. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, if I have a buck tag and it comes late season – I know it's miserable being up in that tree stand when it's cold. I've done it. That wind chill hits you, and it just gets you to the bones, man. But That's I why know. I try and be done early, man. Yeah. I, I hate sitting in that, especially when that wind starts blowing. Oh. My feet go first. My yeah. feet, and then my hands go. and then Once they go, you're done. You're toast, yeah. man. Or <laughs> if you get really cold, cold, and then you can't get your bow back. Yeah. Uh, I've had that happen to me just Never. in the rut. It happened to me last year. 
I couldn't get my bow back, man. I tried. I was, oh, I was no. pulling so hard, my arms were cold. You sure yeah. that wasn't buck fever? <laughs> no, I, I was trying to shoot a doe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think because I don't think I've ever had a, a moment where I've not been able to pull back my bow, but I've struggled. I know there has been times where I start to draw back, and I'm like halfway, and I'm like, oh, man, what the heck is this? And then, oh, I get it back all the way, and it's like, Okay, I'm not gonna make a good shot at this point. <laughs> Dude, I don't wear enough layers and Just get cold, and then try and situation. pull your bow back and tell me how you feel. It's miserable. I'm gonna try one of them body suits, those full body suits you get up in there. I'm, dude, I've been saying it for years. You see the football players on the sideline with the big old coats? <laughs> oh, that'd be so. Get great. me one of those in real tree. I'm gonna be solid, man. Absolutely. Set lock in real tree. I'm in. They got the hand things that quarterbacks wear and shit. Yeah, no, those are awesome. Those are. I have one. Yeah. No, those are awesome. I wear those all. The time i definitely suggest them i know joe has one with a little like a little pocket there you can fold out and you can still play on your phone and stuff because it has a screen and i'm like come on man uh, you don't the, need that the only time i couldn't pull my bow back was the story i just told you guys with the easy hanger i put too low in the tree. yeah <laughs> i've done that too where i've hit a Have limb you? or something i thought i was well the only it was one. i don't know if it was my easy hanger or if it was a limb but i remember drawing back and hitting like a limb or something and you can't draw back all the way Actually, McCoy had a story about drawing back and hitting something, I think, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he had a story where he was drawing back on something and he hit either he hit the I think he hit his climber because he's got monstrosity of a bow that's like 400 inches axle to axle. <laughs> caveman, <laughs> caveman length. But yeah, I mean it it definitely happens. I I don't know. Late season's tough, man. Around here and that's everywhere, but around here, it's it's pretty brutal on you. You get worn out, especially if you hunt a lot. You yep. get kind of worn out throughout the year. Yeah, but I, I love hunting. agree. I um, you know, as far as getting worn out, you don't want to do them all day sits anymore. You, yeah, you you, you kind of drift away from the sit and wait game. You kind of want to walk around and see what you can do. It's a lot worse when around. you have <laughs> when you have three or four deer in the freezer too. It's it's not easy to get me up out of bed early in the mornings when i got three or four deer done dude i'll tell you what and i'm not trying to burn a bridge here by any means but my wife always says you got to get up for work in the morning your alarm goes off 15 times or whatever and <laughs> if you're going fishing or you're going hunting in the morning you just bounce right out of bed like oh, yeah. right That's even before works, the alarm man. you know what you get me in the stand this comes rut and you're grinding and doing all day sits and stuff i'll tell you what man it's not so easy getting out of bed when you know it's freezing outside. No, you got to sit out yeah. there and you might not see anything. I mean, I do it because I love it, but my alarm might go off a couple more times before I get out of bed come close <laughs> to the end of the season there. Absolutely. Well, I think the biggest problem early in the year and maybe just before a rut, you know, it's it, weekend warriors is usually what I've been is over the past few years working and hunting only on Saturdays. So you get that Friday, and you go out with the buddies, and you're at the bar till 2 in the morning, and you know you got to get up at 5. You wake up, you try getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning on a cold, early October morning, and you got a you know, few too many in you. That is rough. <laughs> but there is no better place for a hangover than in the tree stand, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> you better have your hunter <laughs> safety system on. That's all. You're definitely strapped in, but that cold, brisk air hitting you in the face, and you're sitting up there, and you're oh, just like, "Oh yeah, is your uh, coffee? You gotta have your coffee." I don't know. I'm not a coffee drinker. Don't That's know. nope. So I'm, I'm a coffee, coffee drinker, but you know what? 
days like that when I'm tired or anything like that or I'm not feeling so good from, <laughs> from the night before. You got a cold day in the stand, man. Those are the days that I eat my lunch before like 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that helps. That warms you up. It does. It yeah. does. I'll, I'll usually hit up like a monster energy drink or something. That's usually my mm. go-to. I'm not a big coffee drinker. Never have been. Hate the taste of it. I usually, I'm the person that puts four pounds of sugar and creamer in it. <laughs> Although I did recently. You're one of those people. I am one. I was. Now, my last job that I had, I was, I transitioned out of the creamer at least. Okay. I went to two scoops of sugar in my coffee. So I thought that was pretty good. That's really oh, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I still do cream. I like cream and sugar. Yeah. I better. dropped the cream. You I know. do a little pinch of milk. That's it. Just yeah. enough to like make it muddy. I started doing heavy whipping cream. This is going off topic, but I don't care. <laughs> heavy whipping cream is amazing. I'll tell you right now. For coffee, now we were on that stupid-ass <laughs> keto diet. Why don't you just get ice cream and put ice cream in your coffee? It'll be fine. That's probably good, man. But, man, that heavy cr- whipping cream, when I started using that, I'm like, this is good. This is better than any creamer I ever use. But your wife actually talked about, Austin, your wife talked about putting butter in your coffee. That's and I'm bulletproof like, coffee, Bulletproof, dude. yeah. I tried that uh, once. I'll be honest. I thought the same thing Tom's over there thinking. Uh, I tried it once. It was not that bad. Hey, dude. Heavy whipping cream, some butter, some nah, sugar. you're doing it wrong, bro. Barbecue Just a little sauce, bit of grass-fed some... <laughs> butter, unsalted. A little bit of unsalted grass-fed butter and some MCT oil. Mm. Oh, man. That's I just balling. threw like a stick of margarine in it. <laughs> No, oh, dude, that's good. <laughs> Not a stick. Let's get back to hunting. <laughs> this is all hunting related, people. This is hunting related. Everybody knows what we're talking about here. You know, okay, if you're from Western PA and you're any real person, you've been hung over in a tree stand before, damn it. I don't care what you say, it's happened. Oh, man. Well, Tom. All right, we're getting a little off topic. Let's let's wrap things up here, okay? We're getting out of time. It's getting late. We're all having fun, but what do you think, man? What, why don't we wrap this up with your favorite hunting story? You got a favorite hunting story you can share with us? I I have a lot of good hunting stories. I um I I have a I have a story about uh re- relocating a stand, kind of similar to the first buck I told you about it was uh that that's a buck that's on my wall and this story i'm about to tell is also a buck on my wall another uh nice eight point it has two uh hooked brow tines which made it really unique so and two crab claws in the front it was a really cool looking buck i i just had to get it mounted it was it was really uh unique reason i'm telling the story is just because of the way that i Pretty much, I presented myself with this opportunity, and I take great pride in that, being that uh, it was another situation, another season, where I was seeing the deer funnel in the one area. Same spot, different side of the woods. I, I, I was watching these deer, no matter where they came from, they all ended up in the same area, using the same trail, going to the same particular spot, whatever they're feeding on. I, I'm not 100%, but something was drawing them that way. I, I, I was telling my dad, I said, Dad, you know, I'm seeing deer. I'm just not seeing them in range. I, I, they all end up over here in, in this little uh, this little lot of pines. They're taking that and going somewhere on the other side. I, they seem to be taking this one this one trail. He's like, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll come out where you, want it to, where you want them and, you know, just give it patience, which, you know, that's always a good good idea. Usually they will 
end up where you want them. But I was feeling bold. So what I did, I told my dad, I said it was uh, later on in one of the hunts we were having. And uh, I, I called him up on the radio. He had the four-wheeler and everything. So it would be a lot easier to do what I wanted to do. I said, Dad, I want to move this stand over about 50 yards. He said, what stand? Your, your ladder stand. I said, yeah. I said, you know, let's do it. I want to do it now. That way, next time we come, I can hunt it. It's going to be about a week before we come back. All right, let's do it. So he goes ahead and he comes over and he helps me move my stand over about 50 yards right to where I see all these deer coming through. We go over there and there's just all kinds of sign, box sign. I mean, there was a, a rub line there. There was countless scrapes. I mean, trails beaten to the mud. It, it was just, it was happening over there for whatever reason. They liked that area right there for at that particular time in the season. So he brings the quad over. And we go ahead and uh, set up my stand over about 50 yards from where it was originally. And uh, a week goes by. First morning I'm up in that stand. 7.30. Look who's coming. That buck I'm telling you about. That big old eight coming right down the trail right to me. So I'm, I stand up when, he, when his head goes behind this big old bush. I stand up. I get my bow. I'm in shooting position. I'm not in the full draw yet trying to see what he's doing first before I go ahead and I'm at full draw for three minutes. I'd rather not. What's he do? He uh, he never stops. He's on his, on a, a, I'd say an average pace walk. He's not trotting. He's not walking slow and milling. He's just walking through the woods right at me, directly at me. Like if I would let this buck go, he's going to walk between my tree and my ladder. Like he's walking directly at my tree. So about a million things are going through my mind. First thing going is, how the hell am I going to pull my bow back without him seeing me? How am I going to get a shot on this buck coming straight at me? I do not know what's, what to do right now. I, I'm kind of, I'm not panicked, but all these bad things are going through my mind about how this, might, how this hunt can get blown right now. Where I was hunting, I can, uh, I can see the landowners, like his roof and stuff through through the woods, I, I can see a shed, a little bit of his yard. I was close enough I can see his house, but not all of it. You know what I mean? I was maybe uh, 75 to 100 yards away from his house. For whatever reason, by the grace of God, he was outside at 7.30 in the morning, and he made some kind of loud <laughs> bang outside. So this buck stops and turns the whole way around to where this noise came from. I'm like, oh my God, God answered. So I pulled my bow back to full draw. I'm like, yes. So I, I see my shot. I take a shot. As I'm taking a shot, though, this buck decides to take a half turn like toward me. He was just about to start walking again. And I hit him forward, to say the least. I hit him in front of his shoulder, quartering into his boiler room. I mean, the, the worst shot with a bow in the chest area in the possible worst possible angle you can get that's where i hit this buck this buck takes off running i can see the arrow sticking up out of him like oh no you know i i i the blood fell out of my body like i just felt like i wanted to pass out it's like no i injured this buck it's a nice buck i can't believe i just made a bad shot on him so I called my dad. I said, Dad, I hit a buck. I said, you know, I hit him. I hit him. I, I found my arrow at this time, and I found out 
about 11 inches of my arrow was in this deer. So I'm like, that's planned. I'm feeling good now. I yeah. said, Dad, I, I hit a buck. I hit him forward and quartering to- toward me. Really bad shot. I said, I want to give him a lot of time before we go and get him. I said, I think it's lethal, but I want to give him time. I don't want to bust him. So we go back to the truck and we eat lunch and we kind of bullshit at this point i'm getting uh, i'm losing my composure uh, you know it's a fuck it's down i know it's probably down you know and it's probably been an hour and a half two hours like dad let's go down and look for him i, I said i think it's been long enough two hours let's let's go see what happened i know i didn't gut shot him he's not going to live all night if it's a lethal shot he's dead go ahead and down we take the four-wheeler down to where we uh where i hit him we get off I, uh, I, I did follow the blood trail for probably about 10 yards whenever I found the arrow and everything, and I marked it, and I stopped, walked out, and that's when I called my dad. So I went down, and what I do is, like you were talking about in earlier episodes, I use the toilet paper trick, and every 10 feet or so, I put a piece of toilet paper in the tree, and then you can see kind of where the deer's running. So we're about uh, 50, 60 yards into the tracking job, and he ran into the pines. I don't know if you ever tracked deer through pines before, but it's not very easy. No, you got pine needles. needles are tough. You yes. got to look for those needles all breaking very up. Very tough. Yeah. It was easier looking for his tracks in the mud than it was to find blood, and there was a decent amount of blood squirting out. I mean, I ended up hitting the lung. But I get up, and about 50 to 60 yards into this track job, we bust a buck. He gets up. He's falling off trees. He's falling on the ground. He's rolling over. He's getting up, falling over again. At this point, I felt like I was in the scene from 300. I'm, I'm running through the woods with my bow up. I'm trying to get a shot on him. I'm thinking about throwing my knife. It's like, it's just getting <laughs> crazy out here, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, this deer ends up running away out of sight. So, I look at my dad. I'm like, we should have waited longer. So, now I'm kicking myself in the ass even more because it's my decision to go find him sooner than I probably should have. So I was like, you know, let's go up the last place we've seen him, pick up the blood. We'll start from there. I'll try to get another arrow in him because he's hurting really bad to the point where he couldn't even run anymore. You know, like this deer's going down because he couldn't even barely get up. So I'm like, okay, we get up on this deer again. He just used all of his strength to do what he just did. He's going to be toast when we catch up to him again. He won't be able to get up, I don't think. So we get we get up there. To where I can see his tracks, I'm not seeing a speck of blood. This deer clotted up. It's like, oh no. So now I can feel my heart in my stomach. It's just like, everything's feeling bad right now. It's like this buck, usually when you jump a deer like that, you don't find them whenever they clot up like that. So go ahead and we get up to uh, where we think he might have ran down in this, in, this, in this creek bottom. Looking down there, nothing. It's like, oh, no. My dad goes, let's go back to the last place we found blood, and let's just start tracking the blood. Forget about where the deer is, where it ran. Let's just get on the blood like we know how. Okay. So we start walking back, and I catch this 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 figure that is off color just a little bit out of the corner of my eye. So I snap my head around. That's him, the buck. He's laying there. I can see his eye blinking. It's like he has his chin on the ground 
getting as low as he possibly can, hoping that we just walk right by him. He's about 25 yards. So I stop. I'm like, Dad, Dad, he's still walking. Dad, he turns around. I said, there he is, right over there. He goes, oh, I see him. He's a big boy. Like, yeah, you know, he's all, he's, he's just as excited as I am, you know. I said, dude, I don't want to move. He's going to take off again. I said, I don't even have a shot from here. I said, Dad, you got a shot. He goes, yeah, I got a shot. He had his crossbow with him. I said, Dad, put one in him right now. So he did. He put, he put one right in him. And we went up there. Deer dead. Perfect. <laughs> that, was, that was the best thing ever. Whew. Because, uh, you know, we ended up finding him, first of all. That de- it was a lethal shot. My dad just ended that chase, is what happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you put the deer out of its misery. Yes, you it do was, the right I, thing. Chances are, I didn't want to risk it. I could have walked right up to that yeah. deer. He was spent. He was done. But he, you know, he had an open shot. Dude, put another one right yeah. in him right Finish now. him off as yeah, quickly as possible. Do, please do. I, I'm not going to run over there and take the crossbow off him so I can shoot. Dude, it's my deer. He knows. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's fine. But uh, it's it, it was a very good situation as far as moving the stand into that situation and presenting myself with that opportunity is what yeah you I was could have watched on. that buck walk by at 70 yards like all those other deer you yes. watched over and over again you, but, had, you never have, would have had a chance it pays to be mobile man absolutely yeah. always pays to be mobile absolutely and uh actually had the balls you know to go ahead and move it over and it panned out it worked you know that's sometimes that's just a little adjustment that you need to make to be successful well that's that's a pretty good story to end this one on, I that think. That was awesome, man. Yeah, it was a good episode, man. You were a little wild, crazy in here, and I like it. <laughs> Remind me a little bit of Clint Casper, kind of, you know, <laughs> a little wild and crazy. So, no, it was a good episode, man. We really appreciate you coming in and Absolutely, uh, man. sharing your stories with us because I know you have a ton of them and you got, you know, you. we didn't even get into the, you know, some of the knowledge and tips and tactics stuff that you do, but... I enjoyed this episode. I think it's the first time we really just laid back and just let things flow. Absolutely, man. You know, that's where we've been trying to get to forever now, but, you know, we, we don't want to be too formal, you know. I don't want to be too formal. I mean, hunting camp's not formal. This is right. this is hunting camp, man, you know. I just I want to have good conversations, you know. Yeah. So I hope it you had good. fun, Tom, man. Yeah. I hope you did. Absolutely. I'm really happy you guys uh, thought to have me in here, and, you know, I, I hope what I have to say helps somebody else out and, the yeah. season coming you know well i'll tell you what season coming up put another big boy on the ground like i've seen you do so many times and we'll get you back in here and we'll tell the story and i'm sure you'll be dancing all over this damn place next time <laughs> <laughs> absolutely man man it's it fun, be but fun yeah thanks man i really appreciate you coming on yep thanks absolutely. buddy absolutely thank you all right guys hope you enjoyed that episode our buddy tommy he's kind of a wild man yeah he was jumping around all over the rack shack here we had a lot of fun with that episode it was a true bs session for the first time i think yet so i really enjoyed it i know we had a lot of fun the liquids were flowing you know it it was a good time it was good i almost wish we had a video podcast going on for all his animation that he had but it was good i hope you guys enjoyed it yep thanks guys from antelope in the western plains to the white tails of the midwest and giant black bears in canada Watch 100% bow hunting action on Respect the Game, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.